Hey, what's up, everybody? It's episode 102 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and each order is made specifically for the order. So if you order coffee from Couchtown, they roast coffee specifically for you and then ship it to your house. That's amazing. It's some of my favorite coffee. As a matter of fact, it's been one of the only coffees I've drank over the last oh, year or so. And uh, it's unbeatable in my opinion, and I think you guys will enjoy it if you drink coffee. So uh, if there's any coffee drinkers listening, I invite you to go to CouchTownCoffee.com and enter the code word Audible Farm. When you make an order, enter the word Audible Farm. It lets them know that uh, we sent you guys there. And you guys can save 20%. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome, and they support local music and uh, this podcast and all the listeners. So uh, thanks, everybody, and thanks, Couchtown. This episode is episode 102. 102 is with my buddy, Dan Blair. Dan and I played guitar together in high school, and he's been on the podcast one other time before. Um, We've played a couple shows here within the last few years as, uh, you know... I guess we called ourselves the Stockyard one year, and another year we were didn't really have a name. We just kind of went out there and played some stuff. But we played at the Rock and Picnic a couple times this year, which is coming up. Uh, we discuss all that in the podcast, as well as what has Dan been up to in the last 100 episodes. So, this is episode 102 with Dan Blair. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. Alright, what's up everybody? Uh, sitting down today with Dan Blair. Uh, Dan Blair, It's it's been 100 episodes. 100 episodes since you've been on the podcast. Yes, it has. Uh, you were one of the first people I interviewed, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, had it not been for you, um, I probably wouldn't be playing as much guitar as I am now. I mean, um, there was a point in time where you and I were kind of just like trying to figure out what was going on with the guitar, you know, like, how do I, how do I perfect this a little bit? How do I figure out what's actually going on, you know? That was purposeful, by the way. What's that? Because uh, we had both stopped playing guitar, and when I started again, I was, I kept coming over and, hey, yeah, pick this up, hey, yeah, play something you kind of remember, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I mean, like, it's, it's just kind of fun to have somebody, like, bounce the ideas off of, and, uh, you know, things like that, as far as you'd learn a thing, you'd come over and show it to me and it'd be like, oh, that's neat. I learned this thing and we'd do something like that. Or Yeah. So it, it definitely accelerated the process. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we would, we would like just load up like a loop or something on a pedal or something off of, uh, off YouTube here or whatever. And we just play along to it. And I mean, uh, be like, I'd play a little riff and it's like, well, you just kind of mimic my riff and then you play a riff and I'll try and mimic yours, you know? And even if they're not like perfectly mimicked, it's kind of fun to do, uh, it's like a, f- f- um, what's the best way to say it? Like a nice way to like one up each other, you know, constantly. You yeah. Know? It's a good exercise too. Cause you might hear something that you, you didn't think about before mm-hmm. and then you're just like, oh, well I can do, I can do that. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, that's, 
that's an every single night at jam nights. I do that. Like, I'm just like, wait, what? Like, what are you doing? Like, do that thing again. Like, what is that? I, I mean, it's everybody, everybody. It's, it's so funny. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the cool parts about going to jam nights. That's one of the cool parts about just playing guitar with other people in general, you know? And, uh, you know, had it not been for you and I playing enough guitar together back in the day, you know, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to go, you know, try and join another band or, or do the three finger Betty thing or, yeah. Or definitely not do the unity thing, you know, like... Oh, that that was a lot of work. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there was I, so... I remember you just grinding on that. Yeah, I'd just play it on my laptop and sit in front of it and just play along to guitar profiles for, like, hours on end. It's like, oh, I'm up to three-quarter speed on this riff, and it's, you know... I mean, it's it's tough. It's, ne- it's never easy playing someone else's riffs or anything like no. that. No. You know? It's so much easier playing your own. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's probably something to that, too. Like, I was discussing with somebody, uh, I believe it was Jeremy Ober on his podcast a handful of episodes back, but it was, like, uh, something to the effect of, like, how much time do you actually spend, like, practicing, practicing? Like, learning a new technique or getting better at something instead of just kind of farting around? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And embarrassingly enough, I can say that I most of my time is spent, like, farting around. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't... Yeah. I don't do too much actual like let's learn something and get better at something like and that's unfortunate. Um but I I think I'm kind of on the fence about that. Yeah. Actually, I think farting around is good. Yeah. I mean, to an extent for sure. To a, to an extent, but definitely, you know, learning new techniques, learning new styles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's super beneficial cuz oh, yeah. Even if it's not something that you're going to use, like I, I played some gypsy jazz for a while Yeah. Uh, with, uh, uh, well, Marvin was giving out lessons yeah. and you, you interviewed him. Yeah. Danny Rabin. Uh, yeah. A while back. And I actually got a response from him on Facebook. Oh, nice. You know, I was just working on something and it was like a little gypsy jazz diddly thing. Mm-hmm. And I took components of like two uh lessons or whatever that he had had online and i kind of smashed them together Mm because they were kind of similar you know yeah and uh ended up with something kind of cool yeah and he ended up responding about it but i you know i'm not gonna play gypsy jazz all the time no but but there was some things that i learned especially because danny is good about teaching music theory and stuff like that stuff stuff that we dabble uh, in yeah, as well yeah. and it's like oh well i could take this and i can do it with just about anything with like triads and you know mm-hmm. like all these other things that i'd never really learned about before mm-hmm. but i can put them into just about anything yeah i will have to say uh it didn't come up too much in the danny rabin podcast but like danny from um marbin uh, which is like a gypsy jazz jazz fusion a fusion that'd be the best way to call yeah. it it's definitely fusion but uh uh it's just one of those like there's tons of notes there's crazy stuff going on there's saxophone it's kind of gypsy-ish sounding but it's jazzy and and it mixes a lot of goofy it, stuff kind of eastern european you know you kind of you get a lot of that kind of old style yeah in there yeah and he's and he's just smushing it all together and and playing songs but he's also been like the best as far as any guitarist I've ever seen online about just like, he'll just sit down for like an hour a day every day at the, at the computer and be like, this is what I'm playing. Uh, ask me questions or like, yeah, just live Facebook chat sessions and like, he'll take questions and yeah. And 
just I mean, kind of try and help people out, you know? Yeah, he used to have a, a YouTube channel that was pretty packed full of lessons. And believe it or not, like every lesson you can probably gain something from, which is not easy to say about YouTube lessons in general. Like, I don't know. You're probably just like me where you're like, I want to learn something. You go on YouTube and you got to like hunt through about 30 videos before you find something you actually... They're just like that so resonates. going so slowly through it. And or, I'm just like, just play it a couple times and I'll get it. Or too fast is the other thing. Where oh, it's yeah, just like, yeah. okay, I'm playing this thing. What it is, I'm, I'm going from Lydian to Mixolydian um, and I'm doing it uh, mid-sweep. And you're like, what the... F- what are you talking about? Like you lost me. Like I can kind of get this if I try, but at the same time, I don't want to have to sit down and do math to figure out what somebody's doing. Cause yeah. it's not second nature to me yet. You know, um, some things are, you know, all major minor and, and things like that. But like you start getting too deep into it and it's like, uh, I don't know what's going on, but, but Danny, like, yeah, I mean, Danny was also someone that you showed me. Uh, it was like you and Chad Blumker, like, were sharing videos of his, I remember, back in the day. And I was like, oh, man, what is this guy? Like, just shredding like crazy. And who is he? And, you know, come to find out he lives in Chicago, which is why he was always playing shows in the Iowa area. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, he's been he's been booking it, playing a lot, a lot, a lot of shows. Oh, lately. they go all over the place, man. Yeah. I mean crazy if you guys want to hear some crazy stuff about danny uh danny rabin scroll back to that podcast that was i mean that's been a while back yeah. actually now I don't, I don't maybe about 50 episodes ago it's been a while yeah, six months or so yeah maybe. it's been a while i mean that's the crazy yeah. thing about this podcast is like it seems like you know just yesterday i was like i want to start a podcast and i don't know what i'm going to do and i don't know who i'm going to have as guests or what we're going to talk about or whatever you know and and you were like one of the first people i talked to you know and um, you know, it's just kind of cool to, to be able to have people like you around, like I said, you know, somebody to bounce ideas off of somebody to kind of like, drive. and of course I'm going to say, go for it, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just someone to help drive you to do, to do more with what you're doing. You know, like I, I was just like you, you know, we just, for the most part, quit playing. Uh, you bought an acoustic and started playing some, you know, shows up in the Algona area. And that yep. was, that was pretty cool to see you doing that. Cause I mean, when we grew up, there was only like four or five, six of us that played guitar, like around our little group of people yeah, in the area. And for the most part, um, there was only a couple people that did anything with it after, you know, like into adulthood. And that was like Clint and Kevin, you know, and I've interviewed both of them. But, uh, you know, as far as you and I, like you and I kind of just stopped and I don't know what caused us to stop. But uh, I think it was kind of life, you know, life yeah. was just rolling on and we had to figure that out because we're freaking teenagers you know yeah every teenager makes amazing decisions all the time just like we did no uh (laughs) no but seriously it's 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 just weird that like life kind of led us down those same same roads where it was just like whatever we had going on it was just like guitar took a back seat you know it wasn't important anymore you know and i mean it was important but it wasn't something that we were like grinding on every day i'm not gonna gonna play shows i'm gonna pursue this yeah and then you know, out of nowhere, I like started going to some of your shows up in Algona. You would do like open mic nights or it was just like Dan's playing on Thursday, you know, and yeah. just swing up and see Dan play, you know, and you would just go up there and play for a few hours and take little breaks here and there and hang out. And it was pretty fun to see you do that, you know, and it was kind of one of those things like, man, I wish I wish I could do this, you know, like it's not that I couldn't. No. I, just, I just didn't take any time to to do anything with it to get any better and that was one of those things where it's like i want to do that i want to do what dan's doing you know dan's doing something cool i want to do that that's why i purposely kept uh you know coming over and being mm-hmm. like hey yeah play a little uh, i'll play a song hey you play a song now. yeah um i mean and 
we haven't played too many shows together, but uh, it, I mean, we have played a few shows together since then, so which is kind of cool. And, yeah, but we jammed a lot. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool to uh, just like have you around to kind of like it was almost like a. It comes back to that like friendly competition thing. Like it's just like yeah. I want to do what this guy's doing. This guy's doing something that I think's cool, and I want to try and do that. You know, and you know, having you around to play, and eventually to the point where like I was driving up to Algona with my stuff and playing up there with you sometimes, and sometimes you'd come down here and play. And I mean, even on a rare occasion, we would get our old bassist to to come oh, play yeah. and hang out with yep. us. And that Good was old Tommy boy. Yeah, that was that was tons of fun. You know, I always figured like if any of us was gonna you know, try to keep playing, he would, but he ended up, you know, if any of us had anything going on after high school, it was him. He, you know, he joined the military and did stuff, you know, like traveled the world and was actu- yeah. actually busy to a point where he couldn't play. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I've, I'm trying to coax him back into playing. I think it'd be fun to uh, have old Tom Hanrahan playing, playing bass again in some oh, yeah. form or another. I think he'd be good at it. Yeah. He was um, good back in the day. So, yeah. And, um, I mean, just, that's just the thing. Like back then, I don't think we realized how, good we actually were i mean we weren't technically like proficient at oh, all no. like it was more or less you and i were memorizing tabs and then being like how do they do this how do they know and it's like well you just it's in this key and you're like i don't know how they do it you know like we yeah. didn't we didn't know what was going on i took a music theory class from your dad you know um and at school and was like oh i'm starting to kind of finally figure this out but that was also about the time i quit playing the guitar too ironically yeah and then when it came Very time ironic. like like 10 years later to like pick it back up it was just like what was all that stuff dan's dad taught me i gotta try and remember all this stuff you know i remember enough which is it. hard to do dude <laughs> after your dad, 10 years your dad did such a good job of explaining music theory because it was like a class that was offered there at the school that they offered and it had like four people in it three three oh, or four yeah, people. yeah so and, it was very small and uh, and none of us played piano or anything like we didn't know anything from anything yeah. you know and it was just like this is how you make a scale i mean he went from the bare bones like all the way down to the bottom to the top and to the point where we were like composing things with whole, multiple whole lines half whole 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 half whole. yeah yes, there's, your, there's your major yeah yes. whole whole half whole 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 half but yeah and i mean like even as far as that like learning that and knowing that and then realizing that like oh minor is just what would it be the sixth do do boop boop yeah it'd be the sixth if you start on the sixth and go to the next sixth then you're actually in the minor key that is the relative minor to the major that you're in and all this yeah, other stuff yeah. and it's stuff that's like i mean obviously you and i still aren't completely proficient in no i but, wouldn't say that but we understand it now and that's something that we didn't have beforehand and that's something that you and i like pretty much just learned on the fly in my basement you know yeah like that's that's wild you know and like to be able to do that and to get good enough to the point where like i joined a band in des moines and i like i could just like fit in with them you know it was like oh i could figure out what key every song's in i can figure out like if i want to add solo bits to it what i have to do with what yeah whether or not i want to just follow the key directly or kind of just grab the chord i'm using because it's very basic and easy but it's like that's the easiest cheat around doing stuff like that to yeah small playing lead. in yeah as they call that yeah so like i mean i i figured just barely enough how to do all that to go out and and play that kind of stuff and then going down there and playing with them and they're like we end every set with a jam and it's like oh god like <laughs> what what key and is- now you're doing jam nights yeah and it's like what key is this in? and so you start to figure out what key they're in and it's like oh we'll just keep it this key and then just kind of fart around and do whatever you want and then eventually 
you know, before you know it, you start to get really good at jamming around with with people that you don't normally jam with. And yeah. it's like, I mean, we've we've shown jam nights like I have jam night videos of us like ending our set with this like wild jam that's like goes from being like kind of funky to a little bit like uh dreamy and like fluid and ethereal and like uh yeah. all the way back to you know being slightly ish heavy you know but like it gives kind of peaks and valleys to the yeah and i mean song. i'm honestly i nabbed part of one of the the jams that we did with three finger betty and that's that's the song that is the intro to audible farm you know it's the song that plays over the intro and the outro oh, nice. is actually from I didn't know that. three finger betty jam you know so like that's where i got that from was just well we'll just snag a little audio clip of this and here we go and it's uh so we like did a bunch of that and i sent videos of that to people i remember and they were like what is this nonsense you know like i didn't know you guys were doing this and like can you make a whole set of this and it's like oh god i don't know if we could do a whole set of just yeah. jams but like <laughs> I mean, we've had jam night songs or end of end of set jams that have gone like nine minutes, you know, and it's yeah. like it's like, oh god, we got to end this. We're just we just kept going. I'm sorry, like <laughs> my bad, you know. But it's really crazy. I never once in a million years, like when you and I first started, like hanging out down here in the basement playing guitar, would have imagined that like I could have gone to something like that and they were like all right we're learn all these songs it's like oh the song's in this key that means these would be the chords and then you start to figure out all the songs and they're like and we're just doing a jam and it's like well that's all me and my buddy have been doing in the basement the whole time i should try to i should probably fit in here you know and then yeah yeah it's uh it's weird getting comfortable with other people though oh yeah especially when it's all made up yeah dude uh uh you know like the whole time i'm soloing and stuff i like have i'm looking out the corner of my eye at john like Oh, he's on the lower strings. I'm going to go to the higher strings. I'm going to find a way up there, you know, and you got to find a way to like walk your way up to the higher strings and get away from where he's at. And then if he starts to travel up to the higher strings, it's like, I got to go back down to the lower strings now. Yeah. What was he playing? Oh, these kind of chords. Yeah. And you try and mimic what he's doing just a little bit, you know, and I mean, that's kind of the fun part is there's no real, like we're both playing leads the whole time, but like we both also dabble in and out of making them sound rhythmic, you know, as opposed to lead leady you know but i mean playing with other people is definitely not always easy i mean you and i um as of late have been going to a handful of jam nights in like barnum and yeah really fun times uh yeah i mean it's it's tons of fun but like one of the first jam nights that i took you there um i mean you know well enough where it's like oh i'm playing these chords and it's like you can just sit there and like map it out in your head and be like that's this key. And then you can kind of fart your way through the key and be like, okay, I know what he's doing here. Yeah. But like, you got like a baptism by fire. Cause like there was a guy up there that was playing. Oh, he, he yeah. like a down tuned guitar, yeah, and half then, step down and then threw a capo on it. So it's like, wait a second. And then you gotta like, you're measuring it in your head and you're like, this feels off. And it's like, Oh, it's that half step down. You gotta go down a half step still. That's where yeah. you're supposed to be, you know? And that's, you gotta measure up and then down a half step. Yeah. Yep, yep, that shave, was the, shave one off, you know, that was a tough step. Yeah, I mean, like, stuff like that is, like, you go to jam nights, you don't know what people are going to do, you know? Like like I said, some guy's going to come up there and, and finger-pick a bunch with a down-tuned guitar with a capo and D minor on the yeah. fourth fret. And you're like, wait, what's going on here? Like, you know, it's it's a lot of stuff to compute in your brain right away. You're like, okay, give me a second here, and you do-do-boop. You know, you start to, like, put your hands on the thing. You're like, oh, okay, this is, this is where we're at, you know? Yeah. And, that's not always easy. I think that's one of the most intimidating parts about going to jam nights. And that's one reason why I sparsely participate when I go to them. You know, it's just like, let me up there. I'll play a few songs. And if I can skate away with my dignity, then I'm just, I'm like, somebody else take this now. Cause I'm out, I'm out, <laughs> you know? And 
it's not that bad, but it's still, it's tough. It's not always easy to try to find the key, uh, whether or not you want to make the song like major or minor, if it's not really that pronounced within the song. Yeah. But, uh, or like, I'm, I'm just really playing two chords, so it could be this key or it could be that key. Yeah. And I'm half step down and I'm using a capo, so yeah. you figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of that, though, too. There's a lot of singer-songwriters that don't know keys. You know, they figure out certain patterns they like and, and places with capos and things. And they're like, it's like, what tuning are you in? What key are you in? And it's like, meh, I don't know. You know? And that's... Figured that, out. That also adds to some of the fun, <laughs> which was one of the like most mind-blowing things. I like mentioned Brad Hofing in one of the last podcasts, but like... Brad Hofing's bassist, he'll get up, I mean, he plays the whole night, like literally almost never ever stops playing the bass at every jam night. Why? Because he's like nobody else plays bass at jam nights. But like he'll go up there and it's just like, what are you playing? What key is it in? Like he'll just like look at whoever's singing and stuff and just be like, all right, here we go. And and he just on the fly has to play every single song. And yeah, it's pretty wild, you know. I uh, I don't know. It's not like impossible, but it's it's wild that he can do that, you know, and then very rarely mess up. One exercise that I used to do a lot more than I do now because I've kind of figured it out in a way, mm-hmm. but I used to just like turn on blues radio mm-hmm. on Spotify. So who knows what I'm going to get, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd have that plan and then, you know, I'd have my guitar and I'd listen, maybe plunk a couple notes out. Okay, we're here. Mm-hmm. And then just go. And then, you know, the song would change and it'd be Something completely different, something that you know I might not have ever heard before, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, well, we we got to get in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's find out where it is. Okay, it's here, mm-hmm. and it was just a nice little exercise. If you're ever you know interested in you know getting better at jamming, yeah, I mean a lot of that just comes down to figuring what figuring out what key the song is in. You know, for the most part, yeah, um, and that's honestly like. That takes practice too. I mean, you don't have to do it by ear, but it's uh, it's not easy to do even if you can see what the person's doing. You know? Yeah. You yeah. Know? So, uh, I mean, that's something that takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of a lot of doings to do. You know, and like uh, I, I joined Three Finger Betty. I played a bunch of shows with them and things like that. And uh, Jeremy had asked me to be like one of the host musicians at a jam night with him. And so, like that is Jeremy used to host a jam night. And he'd have a full band. Yeah. And in order to do that, he has to find people that are willing to play the entirety of the night if nobody else wants to go up there and play. Mm-hmm. So that's that was yeah. my job. Quote, I mean, technically it was my job, but you know, but that was my job at the at the show. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so like, what am I gonna do? You know, and and he's just like, yeah, you'll figure it out. It's super easy, you know. And and Brad was there, and that was like one of the first times I ever played with Brad, and it was really fun to have him around and. He's just like, uh, you're playing these, and you're starting actually on the fourth, which is why it looks weird. And it's just like, oh, yeah, okay, I get what you're saying, you know. And it, I mean, he just he just leans over, and he's got a way of telling you how to like map the stuff out in your brain, and then you can just kind of go along and play, you know, simple bar chords or things like that to follow along. And uh, I don't know, like uh, that was all. That was like my baptism by fire was just like jumping in there. And Jeremy's like, what songs do you want to play? And it's like I want to play like these songs, you know. And I gave him a handful and. And I was just like, all right, I got to practice these and get good at them and make sure I can go up there and play them and stuff like that. And yeah. I show up there and it's like, do you ever practice those songs, Jeremy? And he's just like, oh, I listened to them a couple times. And, you know, but that's him. He's done jam nights so often that he can just figure out what key a song's in and mimic it well enough to the point where you, you might not even know he doesn't even know the song, you know? Yeah. Like, 
you know, oh, it's like, oh, we're playing the Grange, and he's just ripping it up, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, he knows how to play this song, like, yeah. dang, you know, and it's not like he hasn't ever played Lagrange before, but which has a key change in it. Yeah, and I mean, jam nights, I always try and avoid those goofy key changes if I can, because you don't want to throw everybody off too much. And it's just like, well, it's in C now for a little bit, everybody. It's in C, and then everyone's just like, what? Just like, keep playing what you're playing. Yeah, and I mean, I've I run into that a few times playing songs like Stranglehold, where it's like, oh, this is one riff, except for that that one part where it goes a little bit different, and then it's it, like, yeah nobody ever remembers to play that nobody remembers when it comes up so i just skip it because it's easier to skip it and yeah exactly it's uh it still sounds almost art- as good artistic liberty is what that is yeah yeah definitely <laughs> you can do whatever you want with it really and that's that's probably like the best part about jam nights too though is you can kind of just go up there and and play whatever song you want for the most part and uh people will just be like what what chords you're playing these and then they're like all right we'll just play it in this key and give it a go and and see how see how well it goes you know and, uh, I mean, you and I haven't been to terribly many jam nights. I mean, I've gone to a handful more than you have, but it's not, yeah. but it's not like, it's not like I've been to like hundreds and you've been to 10, you know, like I've, I've been to maybe a couple dozen, you know, and I've kind of figured out where I fit as far as like what to do and how to like hide if I need to, you know, like while I'm playing music. Yeah. Or even if I'm not playing music. Well, uh, sometimes that's the best way to do it, too. Like, if it's a verse, just wait till there's a little opening and do a little... Yeah, just, just a tiny little thing at the end of the words, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably, honestly, like, the best tactic to take. Just, just mimic their chords the best you can, and then you have all this room to do little tidbits around words. Yeah. But you and I were actually kind of talking about this beforehand as far as, like... Um, and I'm using quotes for people not watching the video, but like, what is the etiquette, quote unquote, you know, of of a jam night, you know? And (laughs) so, um, you and I were discussing, like I said, you and I were discussing this beforehand, but there's something to jam nights where it's like, like I said, you kind of want to just like hide a little bit. You almost want to be like not noticeable until it's your turn to be noticeable, which is kind of actually like pretty good advice, you know? Um, I was talking to Scott Dahl about it when I was at one of my first jam nights and I was telling him like, dude, I'm playing the jam night at Patty's Ober invited me. I'm super nervous. What do I do? And he's just like, just stay out of the way until it's your turn. And then, and then do whatever you do, you know? And it's like, I never really thought about it like that. And it almost sounds like, and we were talking about this. It almost sounds like mean to tell someone that, but at the same rate, <laughs> yeah. like that's the best advice I've ever gotten as far as a jam night. Don't show off. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> much what it was. Don't show off until it's your turn to show off and then show off a bunch. Yeah. You know, like, don't steal the spotlight the whole time, but when it's your turn to steal the spotlight, steal away, you know? And, and then you get to save a lot of your best riffs, too. Bingo. That's something you and I were talking about. Like, sometimes at Barnum, I forget that it's like, don't don't turn the whole thing into a shred fest. Just do boring stuff. Not boring, but like, do stuff that folds in in the background Little, better. tiny tidbits. Yeah. And don't go too nuts with the whole song, because when they say take it away dan that's when yeah. you've got to be able to be like oh that's where we're going to do some cool bendy bits and a little bit yeah, of that little, we'll, little you know trills and yep we'll go up to the higher strings and do some stuff up there or whatever you know and yeah that's where you want to throw some of that out you don't want to be like you don't want to be using your best stuff while they're singing you know yeah because then it's like that doesn't fit in <laughs> yeah it, yeah not only does it not fit in it's like you already wasted that halfway through the song and it was while the other guy was doing his cool stuff so like yeah exactly you know, it's it's not an easy thing to remember but uh especially in the moment oh uh, yeah you, like if you're up there and you like 
this stuff's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to think of all these things right now mm-hmm. on the fly. You have to listen to what they're doing. You have to think about what you're going to do. You have to, you know, listen to what you're doing and see if it's worth anything, you know, and then maybe try and save it if you can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're doing all these crazy, crazy things all in the moment. So why not just let somebody else have a moment? And then when it's your moment, yeah, that's take it. that's when you should take your moment, you know. And it's, I think some of that comes back down to like you and I just spend a lot of time in basements jamming, you know. And we don't. It's not that we don't interact with other musicians, but we we're not as used to it as they are, you know. Um, as far as like, oh, and we play together. Like usually it's just me, and then like a backing track, or like you said, I'm just playing along to the radio, and it's like I'm just shredding over whether whether they're singing or not. I don't care. It's like I'll, yeah, I'll you know, squash this Aerosmith song or whoever it is. It doesn't matter. You know, John Lee Hooker or whatever, you know, it's just like a, with backing tracks, most of the time it's just repetitive stuff all the time. And it's like, you know, 10, 15 minutes long. So it's like, you could just shred for all that 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, just noodle and noodle and noodle around and just keep doing it. And then you go to a jam night. It's like, Oh, they're singing words. I gotta do that. I got a background noodle here a little bit. And it's not always easy to find like, the best way to play things. Um, some songs I like to try to like make like heavier than they probably should be when I go to jam nights. Cause that's where my like barometer of music lies lean, a little bit. I'm a little bit heavier if anything. Heavy. And uh, so like I'll, I'll do some stuff like that. I'm not one to shy away from throwing on the drive channel, you know, at a, at a jam night instead of the clean channel. But uh, yeah, I, it's not, it's kind of fun too. Cause you get to like mix it up and do things like that with people that, you know, I'm just throwing out for instance, like Clint Riedel at the Barnum jams. That's where you and I have been going a lot. Yep. And, uh, he is for the most part, a singer songwriter on his own. You know, he writes the stuff in his acoustic in his house guitar. and he's just like, I wrote this. And then whoever he plays with, that's how the song sounds. You know, and they change a little bit, whether or not he's playing solo or if, if it's just him and Brad or if it's yeah. the whole blue ribbon ramblers or if he's at a jam night or, if there's a drummer or if there's not a drummer, you know, or if there's a bass. If he's or, kicking the little suitcase that he has himself. Or, yeah, the suitcase know. drum. That's a baller drum set he's got. It's uh, just a little suitcase, but it's it works really good. But, yeah, I mean, like, that's the crazy thing is, like, he also has that capability when he goes to these jam nights where he's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it could get really out of hand. It could be ugly. It could be great. It could be something I never thought it was going to be, you know, and... I mean, granted, the skeleton of the song is still there. He wrote yeah. it, but like, depends on what people add to it or, or who's playing. You know, what, you know, what kind of a drum beat gets thrown behind it or whatever. And, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's something else. Like, we've had drummers coming and going up at the Barnum Jam nights. You know, every few weeks, there's it seems like there's a drummer. You know, three out of four weeks out of the month. You know, and it's pretty cool to have drummers actually there. Anybody playing any sort of percussion. Yeah, I mean, it like, adds a lot. Yeah, like I said, even if it's me playing the cajon, and I'm not like, I can keep a beat, but I'm not like a drummer or percussionist of any yeah. sort, you know. And I'm using air quotes again, but me neither. But I enjoy play, playing yeah, the cajon. Quote unquote playing. But you know, and that's the thing is like, there's also this like thing I think you and I have that is, uh, we feel like we're, and it's not like we're not as good as these people, but it's just like, oh, that guy's really good. And then, and then when I go up there, I'm not playing, not, not as good, but I'm not as proficient at this thing as he is, you know? Yeah. And it's not like, 
you and I are embarrassed or whatever, but we both did throw up the air quotes when it's like, well, when I'm playing Cajon, quote unquote, <laughs> it's like, well, we're playing it just as much as anyone else. You yeah. know, you're yeah. playing it, not quote unquote playing it. You actually are yeah. playing it, you know? <laughs> and there's, you know, there's something to that too, where like, uh, a lot of what I had was like, I don't say like I had confidence issues with playing, but like, you know, I've discussed that in the podcast a little bit here and there. And even like, yeah. even in this podcast, when I was talking about like hiding at jam nights or like you play and you're like, I did just good enough. Now I need to get the heck out of here. So somebody else can play. Yeah. And then you're just like, <laughs> I did good. Now I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm quitting while I'm ahead. You know, it's, it's like going, <laughs> I don't bowl- want to embarrass myself after this. <laughs> yeah. It's like going bowling, throwing a strike in your first frame and just being like, woo and just walking out 300 like, yep i was on my way to a 300 and then just like how'd you finish the you know it's like i didn't roll any of the other frames doesn't matter like and so that's kind of where i'm at but i mean i even took a stab at doing what you were doing up in algona and playing like a solo show yeah uh, and dear god that's not easy either no, like, like it's terribly hard actually <laughs> talking about hiding there's nowhere to hide up there yeah it's an acoustic guitar in your voice and thank god you can sing a billion times better than i can but like geez it's it's not easy i mean i give it up to any singer songwriter anybody who's even singing and playing an acoustic guitar at all or even trying uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i i commend you for your efforts it's not easy it's really not easy at all honestly yeah. like uh i mean it's not the fact that like playing and singing at the same time is so difficult it's impossible it's just that a lot of times people are like me where it's like i can do it i just can't sing very well is my most unfortunate thing i can sing well enough to be passable but it's like once you get the coordination down with what you're doing here and what you need to do with your voice with your voice but then obviously there is that glass ceiling of like here how good of a singer are you bingo yeah and i mean you have that benefit of having parents that were vocal instructors um whether or not that's a benefit but i mean it helped you out definitely with your singing for sure you know you wouldn't be as good of a singer if your parents didn't sing ever you know yeah probably that's true you know and it's not like you guys are like the von trapp family like no sitting around a (laughs) piano singing like edelweiss (laughs) and stuff you know but (laughs) but but you know like it's really cool i mean you had a musical family and i've always kind of like looked up to that you know and you've had this innate musical ability musical ability that is like somewhere inside of you that just like comes out you know and it's it's really neat because like i said you and i were talking about this forever ago and it was like i feel like i have to work so hard just to get like only so good and it's not that other people don't have to work hard to get good yeah because you definitely still have to practice regardless of how naturally talented you are but like i feel like you probably have a better ear for it than me yeah actually when when we started playing guitar again and started learning music theory and stuff. Uh, I actually went to my parents and I was like, "Hey, give me the first, fourth, and the fifth chord of of every you know major key because mm-hmm. I've you know that's the one four five kind of golden triangle." Yeah, there's the air quotes. That's again. what everybody uses is the one yeah. four fives. And and they're like, uh, "No, we're not going to tell you that." And I was like, "Well, why not?" And they're like, "You already know it." And I'm like, "What? I know this already?" And they're like, "Yeah, a." Okay, what's what's the next one? No, oh, if you're asking me, it's A A D E. Yeah. Yep, A D E. I mean, once you figure out the formula on a guitar, like the guitar is not built to be very easy to understand, like a piano is. But once you figure out the patterns, you're just yeah. like, well, it's made for your hand 
like this yeah. instead of your hand like this. Yeah. I mean, like, piano. well, the piano is awesome because it's like every octave. It's just like, well, it's like they're color coded and they're patterned and they just change every octave. This, like, this yeah. one's an octave and this one's an next octave, you know, just next octave. And whole with, step, whole step, half step, whole step, yeah, whole step, yeah. whole step. The black step, keys are the half steps and the white ones are the whole steps and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's so easy to understand that if generally speaking, but then someone hands you a guitar and they're like, all right, now same thing here. Except not quite. Like every yeah. five fr- frets, it equals what the next string would be open. And it's like, wait, okay. And then you on got second. this one that's a half step back. Yeah, so figure it out. Yeah. And that has to do with like the circle of fifths or something, you know, like yeah. it's this big to do. And it's just like, oh, this doesn't seem like it's so easy. But once you start to figure out, like, oh, here's the one, four, five. And then it's just like, oh, you know, G, C, D, you know, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, E, A, B, you know. And then you start, yep. you start to like, after a while, like, the shape is like in your brain of like, oh, it's just this one, and then the one here, and then the one a couple FB over. Fancy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. That would definitely work. But I mean, it, like you said, it's just you just start to figure out the patterns, and that's something that takes a while to get used to. And I don't know if that's something that a lot of people shy away from, or like the issues people have where they can't figure out what the patterns are. But like, I started noticing patterns by playing. You can play too much of one musician, I feel like, and you start to figure out the patterns they use, even if you don't know like what keys are and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. And then you can pigeonhole yourself. Like, well, I, I fit really well into the way that this person plays, and mm-hmm. they only play these you know, shapes yeah, and these, these things. These the things. Yep. And it's like, well, I'm just going to play this here now, and I don't care about anything else. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and that's tough, too, because I mean, like... You know, just as well as I do that, like, after high school, like, pretty much all I played was, like, Megadeth riffs. Like, and it was just, like, Megadeth's so cool. Let's play all the Megadeth songs. And you're just, like, learning all these Megadeth songs. It's, like, this is really neat. And then you realize, like, I was just minor pentatonics the whole time. Just played, like, really fast for the most part. And, like, you know. Adding in half steps and uh, uh, trills and shit. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, everything's just straight cut forward like pentatonic or blues scale and that's it like almost never deviates from it like almost none of the riffs deviate from it and it's like you start to figure out like oh dave mustaine like figured out what worked and just drove it into the ground he just wrote it until until he couldn't write it anymore yeah. and i mean there's stuff that he does that's more complex than that obviously but like Metallica's kind of the same way you know and acdc's kind of the same way mm-hmm. and you and i came to find out after uh over the last couple of years that like there's a decent hunk of ted nugent that's like that you know and oh like, yeah and you can just start going into these i mean this is obvious stuff to some musicians but like to other people they don't know any more than the man on the moon but you can kind of figure out that like oh they're just using a recycled pattern of sorts that they didn't use beforehand and um you know, it's just kind of cool to have that be a thing that you can actually like notice that you didn't might not have noticed beforehand. You know? Yeah, it's just a different rhythm. It's the same pattern of notes. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, when we started like learning scales and things like that, I started like realizing with a lot of blues songs, it's just like, oh, they're in the box on this one, and then they're like, oh, and then they're just going to the next box. You know, and it's like a lot of yeah. din- I don't want to say like dinking around in the box like on the guitar, but like that's a, a huge hunk of blues is just basically that with little tiny bits of yeah you know half steps and bends and things thrown in there and that's that was one of the coolest things i realized was like oh there's patterns to almost all this stuff and you can kind of start to recognize what they are once you start to learn what scales are what or if oh this is in major or minor you know what what's the first note you're playing if that's probably more or like more than likely the key you're in you know not always but 
you get those kind of things that you can kind of figure out and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, there's a lot of ZZ Top that's kind of this ish way, yeah. you know, even if it's, it's right here all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, as far as like learning music from like musicians, did you ever like spend a lot of times like learning one musician's stuff or like one band stuff? Like, I mean, you've always been one to like pick out goofy songs from I, different ones, but like, I don't know. I if... have been accused of that. So, just like, like picking out songs that aren't necessarily popular, but mm-hmm. it's just something. I enjoy this song. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, top billboard or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. It's it's more of personal taste if I want to cover a song. Mm-hmm. Is there any any bands that you were just like, oh, I know like seven songs by o- oh, Oasis or something like that, you know? No. Like, or, um, you probably know. three would probably be the highest number of any band mm-hmm. that I've ever, you know, like, oh, here's the band mm-hmm. you know i'll learn three songs of theirs or oasis i'll learn three songs of theirs mm-hmm. or the beatles you know i'll learn like three songs of theirs mm-hmm. but it's never i've never really racked up those numbers super high on any band ever because mm-hmm. i i just like playing so many different things mm-hmm. yeah i mean I guess, like, I mean, there's a few bands that I obviously did that too. I mean, I mentioned Megadeth earlier, but like Iron Maiden would be another one. I just spent mm. like too much time yeah. learning Maiden riffs, and it's not like it's it's wasted time, you know. You're you're oh, le- just like know, the song, yeah, wasted years. But like, it's not like you're wasting your years, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, you're living in the golden years. No, uh, so so uh, that's Maiden. That's a Maiden there for you. But like, uh, no, it's it's pretty crazy because like. It's not like you're wasting your time, but like you said, you can find yourself starting to like fall into that and not be able to like deviate from it, you know. And yeah, and Megadeth surely was one where it's just we were talking about just noodling in your in the basement, and not actually learning stuff. I'll just hammer out Megadeth riffs for like an hour and be like, oh, I didn't learn anything. I was just wasting time. And it's not like you're not wasting time, but yeah, it's. You're just reading the notes off the page and you have no idea what it means. Or or it's just something I already have memorized and it's just like, yeah. well, here's, I know that these notes all sound good together. Let's reorganize them a little bit and make a new riff, you know? And then it's like, I can't recall a riff I played yesterday, today to save my life. I'm not built like that. Even if I play something that I'm like, this sounds good. And I never remember. I never do. Yeah. And I don't know. Is that ever, is that ever anything you have like run into or? I have run into it on occasion. Uh, but a lot of things that like I like that I've done I'll either try and record a snippet you know a little snippet of it Mm -hmm. you know whether it's just this riff or whatever so then I can see myself and I can hear myself and then I can recreate it yeah but yes there has been plenty of times where I've just played something and been like this is awesome <laughs> and then like practice it practice it for like the rest of the night and then i wake up tomorrow the like the next day or whatever and, mm-hmm. and just be like i don't how did that go i don't again? remember any of that and i'm sure like that was one of those goofy things i i saw with like comedians and musicians where like comedians could think of like the funniest thing ever and if they don't write it down like even in a general premise they're like i don't remember what that was like i can't remember it at all and that's yeah. no different than like us when they're like Oh, I thought of this really cool riff last night. It's like, how's it going? And you just like, you're only making like guitar hero mistake noises. And you're like, wait a second. No. Plink, plink. Yeah. No, wait, hold on. And you're like just moving down some frets and you're like, wait, 
No, no I, that, I ri- that rhythm's not right. It was way better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't remember how to play this. I don't remember. But I mean, like, I mean, you can, you can see here on the computer that I've, I've got a couple like projects that I made for like, um, as far as trying to record things and, and copy down riffs and stuff. And, and even then I abandoned a lot of those cause it's just oh, like, yeah. Have you ever had one of those where you like you record something and you think it's like just the best and then you go back to it like the next day and you listen to it and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's <laughs> I, I hate that feeling, though, too. And unfortunately, that's the feeling I have is like the farther out I get from most anything I do, the less impressed I am by it. And that's like I said, it's unfortunate, but like I could write a whole song and it could be decent and like in a week i'd just be like this is garbage and i'm never never playing it again yeah you know like and i hate to say it but that's just how my brain for some reason functions with a lot of stuff that i create out of thin air and like you said like so many of those riffs that are on there some of them are probably good but to me they just seem like trivial or you've heard them too many times or now you're like "Ah, i've overanalyzed this it sounds too simple or it sounds too much like something else somebody else would have written and then i'm just kind of like meh like you know this it sounds like i'm just copying this guy or it sounds like you just wrote a a riff that sounds like megadeth stuff and it's like oh yeah it does well poop you know and then he's like well this (laughs) this is garbage i spent a lot of time on this i wanted to make it like really good and stuff you know and ends up being only I don't know. It's pro- like I said, it probably is good. I haven't listened to those tracks in a while. Yeah. And, but that's also the unfortunate thing is like, you, like working on music takes a lot more dedication than I initially ever thought it did. You know, I thought that people were just like, I wrote a song. It's like, how'd you write a song? It's like, it just came out, you know? And it's like some songs you have to work at and work at and work at and work oh, at. Oh yeah. And then maybe walk away from them for a while and then come back to them. And maybe that's, maybe that's what I need to do is just walk away and come back in a year and be like, dude, this was actually pretty good. you know, and then you're doing the same thing, like, how did that go again? Yeah, oh man, how did I play that, you know? And, I mean, that was one of the funnest things, though, was starting to, like, record yourself and watch yourself play so you could figure out, like, you know, what you needed to improve on or, or things like that. Um, you and I, when we were younger, we played a show that was, like, um, some, like, class reunion for a class, and there was, a, like, the Lazy River Band was, like, the headliner. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And then uh, Steve Curry was the the feature he was in between us and then we were like the openers and uh that was actually pretty cool because uh jody ended up recording that jody was a guy that we had i have listened to that not recently but yeah i yeah like we had spent some time hanging out with a guy that was really good at guitar and recording things and all this other stuff and uh he was recording for those other guys yeah and he was doing the reunion and he was just like i'll do a super quick recording of your guys's stuff and you know File down the rough edges and mix it up a little, a little quick mix and master, yeah. and away you go. And like within two days, we had this CD, quote unquote, or whatever, yeah. of us doing a show, and that was that was really cool. It was really cool to be able to like sit back and look at that, you know, too, and and see how much dedication we had, and and actually, honestly, how like for the most part good we sounded for just being a bunch of kids. You know? Yeah, like yeah. Um, I mean, the crazy part about that was like I think about things like that, and it's like, man, I was playing that show, and that felt pretty cool, you know, like. We played that show. We played like the Livermore Pool for a show. Yeah, um, Bode. Uh, or no, it was Bradgate. Bradgate. Uh, the year after the the year after the tornado they had there. Yeah, and, and uh, um, you know things like that. You know, we played all these cool kind of shows, and then I never thought like, oh, I'll never get to play cool shows like that again. And then, you know, join the punk band. You're playing shows <laughs> in Des Moines. And all of a sudden, you know, you're like, just back in it again. Yeah, going down and playing shows in Des Moines and things like that, and like. 
my third, fourth, fifth show, something like that, was like at the Valair Ballroom, and it's like, oh my god, like I can't believe I'm playing at the Valair Ballroom. Like this is so wild. And we had to fill up two hours, and it's like, I've had like ten practices, which and we is gotta crazy. Do like two that, hours of music, a long time. Yeah, I mean, how many punk songs fit in two hours? Like, talking like 182. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> every punk song is like two minutes long. You know, you just you just keep stacking them in there deep. You know, but. I, it was really cool. We pulled it off. It sounded pretty good. I saw some memories from it not terribly long ago, um, and it was kind of neat to see some pictures of that and stuff. Um, unfortunately, I mean, that show wasn't that big. It wasn't tons of people there, but it was still really cool to be able yeah. to do that, you know. And I've played shows with, you know, some bigger bands and things like that and played, like, you know, I've played in the Chicago area and Kansas City area and Minneapolis area, and I've played around and stuff, but, like, honestly, one of the coolest shows I think I've ever played in my adult life has honestly been right down at the rock and picnic yeah you know like and that was something that was cool because they the people who booked it asked if like the punk band i was in wanted to play and we decided that it would be since it's a family environment yes um not that three finger betty doesn't play all ages shows but disclaimer you know there's profanity and i didn't want to i didn't want to put anyone there in hot water you know like i didn't want to yeah, exactly. I'm not really one to worry too much about offending people, but it's not my show. And if I'm invited, I'm not going to be like, yeah, let's go. And then under the guise that we're not going to swear, you know? Yeah. So and not not with any guarantee anyways. Yeah. You know? And so that was like, well, the punk band I'm in might not fit this like small town family event, but I could probably throw something together. And that was when you and I used uh, like a little looper pedal yeah, and, and threw, drum to, machine. threw together a show real quick like. And that was really cool you know that was something that we for the most part within i mean we only got like what two three weeks notice absolute tops yeah you know and it was like you guys want to play a show and it's like yeah we can play like a half an hour or so you know so we banded together five songs that were pretty easy with some sections in them where we could solo and jam a little bit you know and easy loop with the drum and the bass and yeah we pretty kind (laughs) of keep chugging through it yeah we pretty much just hunted down like five or six songs that were one riff on repeat even if it was kind of a longish riff it was still one riff on repeat like going down it's like a 12 bar blues on repeat you know so it's not really like a riff that's repeated over and over again but it's it is you know and i mean that was really cool to be able to do that because even though we were the openers the first time we played and it was you know not full there were still like a hundred plus people there like yeah and it's like one of the bigger crowds i've played in front of is down there because the next year we got to play i think there was even more people the next year yeah they invited us back the next year and somebody had spun the idea of like do you think you get a band like if you can get a full band it would be it would be better we'll we'll put you in the next slot so we'll get somebody else to come before you Mm -hmm. so we had a i mean i had a difficult time trying to find people that would that would play so like initially we were going to go in it as a two-piece again Mm -hmm. you know and then which would have been doable and then about a month beforehand, I was like, I found some people that want to play, you know, like we had five practices. I think we got before I think it was less than that, actually. I think it was more like four. But yeah, I mean, we got like five practices in and uh, played a show. And it was it was you and me and Nick Earhart, who plays with uh, Riddled with Class. I mean, that show that we played, he even played with the opening band and didn't know any of the songs. Which yeah, was pretty, pretty because ball-like. their bassist didn't show up. Yeah. I don't know if they had one or he was sick or they they don't know i honestly don't think they had one yet like because i think that was dawn. i think they they had one lined up that was but like then they like backed out or something it was dawn patrol and they had like a guitarist a drummer and a singer and the 
guitarist and singer like played a lot together, but like the drummer, I think had like just oh, bought a drum set and yeah. learned how to drum like within weeks. Yeah, like, within yeah within like, around the same amount of time that we had. Yeah, and it was like you had like less than a month to learn how to play the drums, and he's like, "Yep," and and he did it, and he did they did great, you know. And they were they came back another year, I think the maybe not the following year. Yeah, maybe not the following year, but the the year after that. So like we played with those guys. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, Nick and then Jeff Blummel was the drummer for us and he plays with, uh, Chris Carband. And I didn't realize like it didn't hit me until, um, after the fact, like well after the fact that was like, why doesn't Jeff ever play drums at jam nights? And it was left-handed. So he's got oh, a left-handed yeah. drum set. So he can't ever go to jam nights and play drums, which is like, it's got to hurt, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. And so that's like one of the unfortunate things uh, about him being lefty. But it was really cool to have, have him up there. I've, I've always enjoyed Jeff's company. He's such a goofball, you know? And, yeah. Yeah, uh, really nice guy. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was kind of cool to give us the ability to like stretch out and play with some other people as well, you know? Like, yeah. I never thought in a million years if somebody was just like, hey, you want to play a show with Jeff Blummel? And it's like, uh... Am I good enough to play with Jeff Blommel? You know, like, well, it gives him a chance to get out of his comfort zone too, because like, you know, he's, he's a drummer. Mm -hmm. He obviously knows how to play the drum set, you know, but he doesn't play the drum set most of the time in the Chris Gar band. He's, he's he's mostly doing backup drum stuff and backup vocal stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely, I think gave him a little time to shine. Yeah. Oh, definitely himself. Uh, yeah. He's an accomplished musician for sure for sure i mean he does musicals in the whole nine yards but like that was the one thing i totally i got you and him in the band and neither one of you guys were like slated to sing a song and that was like the funniest thing because uh the sound guy was just like he puts a mic back by jeff blummel and blummel's like i don't need a mic he's like you're not singing (laughs) he's just like nope and the guy like looks at me like what are you doing (laughs) you know like i'm I'm like i don't know i don't know i don't know but you know that's like one of those fun things where you live and learn and and next time we play a show together if if we end up playing another show together i'm putting a mic in his face i'm like you you sing a song dude you know yeah i'm gonna make you sing another song i mean you ended up singing a song anyways yeah we did an encore yeah which is weird because it was like an encore that like a song that you and i knew and like nobody else did no and it was just like you know nick these are the chords like go just go for it you know and we did it i mean it was simple enough the yeah. three chord song yeah i mean it's honestly it was pretty simple but like that was like what we did though is just sat down and tracked down like the simplest songs we could find to not complicate things but also try to make them like as dumb as it sounds, I always like try and throw like a curveball in there. Like we're gonna play uh like a chicken picking ZZ Top rap cover, you know? Yeah. Like and it's like what? Like and so we played uh "Gots to Get Paid" by ZZ Top, which yep. was definitely not uh, as easy of a song as it could have been. But the coolest part about that was uh, the headliners for that show um, like pulled me aside when I was hauling my stuff off, and they're like, "Dude, you're playing new ZZ Top songs. That was so cool!" And it's like. Yeah, I never mm-hmm. thought I I didn't think anybody would care about this song honestly, like but <laughs> but that's that's the cool thing, you know, and we ended up playing a Nugent song that was lesser popular, you know. Um yeah. we played uh Stormtroopin', you know, and that was another song that's like does it's not very intuitive to jamming, so it's not super repetitive, but there was just enough open area in there and uh you know, it was tons of fun to have you around too though cuz like when we were growing up playing guitar, it was just like I got to learn the leads for this. I got to learn the leads for that. Now it's just like 
Debo, you got this. Like Debo, solo it up. Like I don't want to do any work, Debo. You do it. You know, and I, I can lean on you for that. You know, when we're playing stuff like Ted Nugent songs, it's like pulled it off. You know, not yeah. only just pulled it off, pulled it off. You know, spectacularly well. I'm I'm not only happy I didn't play. I'm glad Debo played it. But like Debo played it very well, which also makes me very happy. Yeah. And that was a hell of a show with the four of us at, at the Rock and Picnic. You yeah, know, that was a great time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've almost never played like a tighter set with you know you know less amount of time to prepare for it or anything it was really really cool and i mean with people that you don't normally play with well besides myself yeah i I mean that's one of the things that's it really kind of makes you think about how it's it's not easy to do like you said getting out of your comfort zone it's a good thing and everybody knows that we all know that but like yeah, sweating bullets, you know, and it's like even going to practice, it's just like, man, I'm sweating bullets because like, I'm not like the leader of the band, but I'm. It's like I got asked to do this thing, and I formed the band, so like, I'm kind of in charge of how all this goes down, you know. And <laughs> if this is a train wreck, it's my fault, you know. And I just kept thinking that I'm just like sweating bullets, and I remember playing that show. I was wearing like a gray shirt, and it was just like wet all down the sides and front, like. <laughs> Oh, great, you know. and It was hot out that day, too. <laughs> it was very hot. There was actually some videos of us, you know, and somebody took videos of us, and I put it on the Facebook page. But, you know, it was really cool to hear people take to the songs that we played and really enjoyed them. As a matter yeah, of fact, you yeah. and I hauled all our stuff away and were walking around at the show there, and uh, we were even approached by some people. It's like, what's your band name? How do I get in touch with you? I yeah. want to hire you for shows. And it's like... This is our first show. Like we we <laughs> we, we got together four weeks ago, yeah, and we're not even a band. <laughs> yeah, we learned like five songs in a month. Like honestly, the idea for the band that I had was just like if I get asked to play again, it gives me the opportunity to like have you guys play or just have anybody else who wants to play go ahead and play. You know, it's kind of the the thing of just like revolving musician band. You know, I mean, yeah, it was it was beneficial to like have that but it was also kind of detrimental when people were like you want to play this show and it's like oh no we're not a real band i mean no we're a real band but like i mean like we're physically real yeah the stuff we we played happened that but it's you know we're not we all got our own things going on at the (laughs) point in time that's what that's what it was i was in you know i was in a metal band i'm in a punk band i'm starting to do a podcast i was school and working and all this stuff and and Jeff's doing Chris Carban and Cosmic Brownies and stuff. I mean, everybody was doing stuff. So it was yeah. like, I don't know if we anybody else really have any time for this, but that makes me wonder, like, are you ever going to fire up the acoustic and start doing acoustic shows again? Or I've thought about it heavily. I And... I mean, I almost guarantee you that the Junkyard would be more than willing to have you on a, oh. a whatever night just to fill in some yeah. some sound, you know? Um, I, I like, you know... You, pay you'd have to work on him with pay but like it's still one of those things where like i guarantee you that ashton would be more than willing to be like yeah you want to play like one of your first shows back in years like go ahead and try it here see what happens yeah you know and you post up there and friday night or saturday night you know he's not against having music out there so well i got that powered mackie speaker and it works you know and i have all the other equipment that i need too Mm -hmm. just for like a small little gig Mm -hmm. you know whether it's acoustic or you know throwing up some backing tracks and playing leads on on some some kind of backing track you know mm-hmm. easily done yeah i mean when i played my acoustic show that's all it was was just playing acoustic and singing songs and like if i found a song that was repetitive enough it was like oh i can just loop this acoustic and then sing 
And I don't even have to play the acoustic now. And I can just grab the electric and hit the button and change the channel. And now I can solo some stuff on the electric here. And Yeah. And, you know, it gave me a little bit of flexibility. You know, that's also not outside your realm of, of capabilities either. You know, yeah. you've, you've it's, got... it's fun to dink around with that stuff on it's... your own. And then, you know, you kind of like build on it. Like, okay, I know this song. Mm-hmm. And how can I take this from something very small and simple and kind of, you know, build it up to to the point where it sounds like, whoa, mm-hmm. like, I'm filling the room here, yeah. and it's just a basic loop and myself, you yeah. know? Honestly, that's what Jesse Wilson does, since he doesn't have a band. He relies on looping, and it's it's crazy to watch him go to town on that thing. He's comfortable using it, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember when I was using mine in front of a group of people, I was just like, I don't know if this sounds good. Does it sound like crap? You know, you're just... I just get so nervous. I'm sweating buckets. And I don't remember who was at the wine walk that I was playing at, but uh, the guy that was doing the bartending or, or whatever there. Yeah. Like, I took an intermission. And my intermission was just a looped track of, like, GCD, just something simple. And then I just walked around and played leads over top of it while talking to people for 10 minutes because it gave me a chance to, like, not think about what I was doing. And I can just noodle nonsense for a while, you know? Yeah. You can, too, you know? It, and so it's just like, you know, thanks for coming. And you play a couple little dick doohitties. And then you're like, oh, yeah, so what do you got going on today? And then you just play a little bit more. And, yeah. you know, I was just like, man, I don't know if this sounds good. I don't even know if this is cool to have this be like, you know, take a break and, you know, still play music. I should probably should have just put something on my phone and let it play so people could enjoy it, you know. But I remember going to talk to the guy that was like tending bar. And he's like, this is really cool. This is really cool. And I'm like, really? Because I'm like super nervous i'm sweating so bad i don't know if any of this sounds good and he's like nobody else here knows how to do any of this and i was like (laughs) i "I never thought of that you know and it's it never crosses my mind you know and i mean there is some form of judgment you can cast on music even if you don't know how to play it but yeah because it's definitely like um you know open to your own interpretation as far as how you want to judge it but like at the same rate like the guy instilled so much confidence in me to make me um realize that i you know probably should you know just have a little bit more confidence and actually just go out and play the thing and yeah yeah and uh so like that that was definitely a pretty cool thing to have that um have you ever like run into any of that while you were playing guitar like have that one person that like oh definitely gave i you just enough of a confidence boost where you're like wow i did good you know i think uh I was opening up for a another lost year and i can't remember uh, so an, another last year is from, I think, Virginia or okay. something like that. And they had another band that, and this was like a national tour. And this other band was like from South Carolina. And I can't remember the name. I wish I could. But I went and I did my set. And, you know, it's it's very strange to see people that you know are like out on the road and like traveling musicians mm-hmm. like walk up to the stage and like just you know stand stand a few feet away and and just kind of you know post up and and listen to you mm-hmm. play that's freaking mind blowing in itself you yeah know? I mean uh but then I you know after I finished my set uh this other band came on and then when the headliners came on uh. This the lead singer from this band that was headlining for the opening act or the uh, the main main act uh, 
comes up to me and he goes, hey, you want to come to my van with me? And I was like, uh, what? What do you want? <laughs> Creepy guy? <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, I just, there's some beer. I just want to talk to you about your show. And, you know, so I, I was like, okay. So I went out there with him. We we're hanging out in his, his van. And, uh, you know, he was like, oh, dude, whatever it is, you got it. You got it, man. Just keep, <laughs> keep doing it. And, you know. Oh, that's cool. So that coming from somebody who's, an actual musician that's doing more than I am or yeah. more than I even was at the time, you know, there's very, very big boost of confidence right there. Yeah. I mean, that's so cool when other musicians enjoy what you're doing. Um, even as far as like, say like you're the opener and one of the headliners peeks their head out to watch you play a couple songs or like even just a fellow musician showing up to watch you play. Like, yeah, that, or just a, nice job dude like there's so much so much it does it's so weird because even like just your peers doing it like i remember once going to a show in i played a show in des moines and levi drew from riddled with class like just popped in and sat in the back and was just i was like oh my god i know this guy it's like what are you doing here and he was down there with his family they like went to the zoo and everyone went to sleep and he was on his phone looking like on facebook and he was like Oh, Peter's playing like five minutes across town. And he just like got in his car and drove over and watched me for about an hour and took off. And I was like, are you serious? Like, it's like the nicest thing ever, you know? And it's, yeah, it just means so much to and when it's unexpected like that. Yeah. Too. It just comes, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, going to a show and seeing other punk bands that aren't on the bill showing up at your show just to watch you because they like it. And it's like, that means so much, you know? Yeah. And, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of support that goes on like that. I mean, I went and saw Clint Riedel recently and, and Igor from Fort Dodge, Igor Alexandrovich. I, I did a podcast with him. But like, he walked in and it's just like, cool, I know this guy. This guy plays music. He, he knows how to sweet pick and shred and do crazy stuff. And, and sat next to me and we watched Clint Riedel play, you know, and it's kind of neat to have that, you know, ability to do that, you know, to to watch your buddies do what they do and, and actually enjoy it too, you know? Yeah. You know, it's it's definitely something that's not... I was always nervous about that going to shows like indie shows because you just hear so many rumors about like this band sucks and that band sucks. And then you start to watch them all and you're like, these guys are all pretty cool because they can play stuff I can't play. You know, and that's what it always comes down to for me is like a measuring stick is like they're doing stuff I don't know how to do. I didn't think of any of that. That's neat. You know, like even yeah. if it's not my favorite music, it's cool, you know, and yeah, or like you can definitely sound know when a band sounds tight or they've practiced enough or oh, definitely, you know. Uh, regardless of whether or not you like the music, you're like, man, these guys are just snapping it in there. The solos are clean and every part is just boom, right to the next. And yeah, it's pretty neat when you have that. Polished. Yeah. I pulled up a flyer for the, uh, rock and picnic over there on the, oh, on the nice. computer. Um, I figured that'd be something good for us to mention on our way out the door yeah, since we got about an hour. Away. Yeah, dude, it's only a couple of weeks away. Um, as of the posting of this, it will be, uh, just, let's see here. I'm trying to do math in my head. Just over two weeks away so it'll be just over two weeks away um we're looking at the flyer here you guys can check it out um this is you know i will let's call this the unofficial promotion of the rock and picnic because i'll you know you and i that's that's where we played our shows at you know was the rock and picnic yeah. and i that's where I, we started up again they've they treated us better than nice every time we were there um everybody everybody like the people at the concession stands 
everybody. We got to sign a guitar. They were raffling off. I mean, it was so mm-hmm. cool. We were treated like both one years. of the years. Yeah, we were treated like one of the gang, even though we were the openers for the most part both yeah. years. So, uh, you know, that's that's me saying big hats off to everybody at the Rock and Picnic. It's one of my favorite shows every year. I don't I don't know why I've got a soft spot for it, but I just enjoy it so much. And uh, you know, last year I didn't perform, but I did a podcast there. And that was oh, pretty yeah. cool. Um, I'd love to set up a booth and podcast while the event's going on, but oh, that would be kind of fun. Get like a revolving door, like have a little sign-up sheet or something. The downside is there's there's no downtime at the show. Yeah, like they'll set up half the stage and half the stage, and have somebody playing acoustic guitar in between the sets, and there's no downtime, man. The whole time somebody's playing music, so. And I get it. People are like, well, just do it while the music's playing. It's like, yeah, well, I don't think you understand how these recordings work, and it's not going to work out as well as I, I hope. I tried. Yeah. It's just too much music in the background muffling everything else, unfortunately. So. Yeah. You'd have to get away from it. Yeah. And that's the thing is, who's going to be down at Sheldon Park rocking out to the rock and picnic and going to be like, let's go to Upper Sheldon, yeah. sneak away from everyone and not enjoy the music. Let's go sit in this guy's car. So you can talk to me. Like, no, it <laughs> sounds boring, you know, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm super stoked for the Rockin' Picnic this year. It's uh, looking at the poster right here. Anybody on video, you can see it's obviously on the screen. But uh, Screaming Artichokes, people like you, uh, MGCC and Wild Ambition are going to be the uh, openers for Villains Dance. Villains Dance is going to be the headliner this year. That is uh, Sunday night, September 6th. Otherwise, the night before, there's always a show that goes on there too, and it's usually when they so, yeah. do like a they used to do like a crab boil and things like that. I'm not sure they're doing it this year. I can't guarantee it. I can't deny it either. So, uh, if you need more information on that, check out the Rock and Picnic on Facebook. I'm not putting any links to it um, this week. I've I mean, you can scroll back and figure it out. But uh, yeah, Brutal Republic's playing the Saturday night beforehand. That's going to be off the hook. I love me some Brutal Republic. Oh yeah, so fun, dude. Um, I think the show usually starts around one. That's a flyer. Show starts at one. one, one starts PM. at one. I know it's stacked this year. They got a lot of bands in there. I know uh, there's a couple newer bands that are firing up for this year, and I'm it's, stoked to it's see. It's good to see the screaming artichokes up on the board. Yes, definitely. That was something that I didn't know if it was ever going to happen or if it wasn't, and uh, I'm excited to see that that go down because it's a bunch of our peers. You know, it's people we've either went to school with or hung out with or have played music with or people that are associate yeah you know associated yeah so it's gonna be really cool I'm, I'm stoked to see them otherwise uh mgcc i've i've talked to a couple of the guys in that that band i'm pretty stoked to see them live too i've only seen live snippets and then uh we were gonna attempt to book a show with them and three finger betty down in des moines actually and covid yeah so oh. but, but i did see that mgcc is gonna be playing a show in des moines with whiskey shakes i believe Ooh. so that should be a pretty good show too so uh hey you know debo yes sir huge hats off for joining me on the podcast today oh, thanks and, for uh, having me back um hundred episodes later yeah yeah i thought it'd be kind of fun to bring you back in a hundred episodes later and, and see what you got going on you know and uh we got to get you playing some playing some shows sometime I, I feel like you would fit in nicely with a lot of these other guys we've been jamming with lately you know and, oh yeah you know, just throw your name in the hat and play shows here and there. And you've definitely got the chops for it. You got the ear for it and you can sing. That's, you know, you know, I've got two out of three, two out of three ain't bad, but you've got three <laughs> out of three. So it'd be kind of hat trick. Yes. Hat trick. You've got the hat <laughs> trick of music. 
so yeah dude i really appreciate you sitting down with me um i'm gonna this is my turn to encourage you to go out there and and, and do the music thing so um if anybody wants to uh hit up dan about maybe playing a show or booking a show or something like that i'll do my best to drop uh some of your information on the internet i'll at least tag you in the picture and stuff but cool but yeah yeah hit up old old danny boy for some for some tunes you can you can sing and play with the best of them so that's something i'd like to see i mean even if i'm not involved in it in any way shape or form it'd be cool to go sit and watch you play some music yeah because then i don't have to do any work i can just enjoy it <laughs> yeah, it's the best part <laughs> it is, secretly it is the best part like uh i like giving people crap at jam nights like ah, look at you guys out here giving this away free labor like <laughs> go to jam nights and barnum and it's like well technically this is clint's jam night and he should play the whole night so if nobody goes up there and gives away free labor it's just clint playing you know no, it's just i'm just giving everybody crap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right, yeah, well, we should probably scoot out of here. i got to edit out a little bit of this podcast, but it shouldn't be too bad. Um, there was just the interruption of somebody walking through the video shot, so that'll be kind of fun. But, uh, hey, dude, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, really man. appreciate it. We'll have to uh, go to a jam night some night. Uh, Barnum Jams. Barnum Jams, Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights. We'll Starts be there. Six or seven Seven, seven-ish. They've been outside the last couple of weeks because it's been nice. I can't guarantee that's going to be that way forever because it's getting yeah. chilly some nights so hey you know barnum jams if you guys want to see what debo's all about head to a barnum jam maybe he'll grab an acoustic and play a song there sometime all right cool well, thanks dan thank you all right sweet oh baby that's dan blair my buddy uh, we played a lot of guitar together back in the day and we uh we've been playing a little bit more here uh, not so much lately but you know, we're trying our best to uh, keep our chops up, and uh, you can find us at the Barnum Jams. Dan's kind of, you know, taken to going there and jamming out a little bit. It's kind of nice to have him out and about jamming again. I hope he uh, picks up the acoustic guitar and maybe jumps in the fray a little bit and plays some shows doing that. That'd be pretty awesome. So, uh, big shout out, Dan. I'm, I'm a, appreciate you jumping on the podcast. You know, 100 episodes later, it's pretty crazy. You know, even though we haven't played too many shows or anything uh, together or... Uh, that kind of thing it's you're definitely more than capable and if anybody's looking to see dan blair play some stuff head to the barnum jams on tuesday nights in barnum iowa at the junkyard that's where uh that's where he likes to go up and jam at these days so if you want to catch him jamming that'd be a good place to to check him out speaking of checking things out uh check out the rockin picnic coming up we uh me and dan are not playing this year however they've got an awesome lineup we talked about it in the show uh, maybe I'll have Scott Dahl on uh, to help promote that here coming up soon. Uh, he was on last year to help promote it, and I think he should probably come back on this year and help promote it again because he knows a lot about what's going on there. And Plus, it's been a while since we've talked to Scott anyways. So uh, huge shout-out to Dan Blair and uh, Rockin' Picnic. Check that out. If you're uh, new to the podcast, we've got audiblefarm.com. That's where you can find all of the Audible Farm goodies available uh, for sale as well as free we've got tons of free stuff including the podcast the podcast is always free it's going to be free forever if you want to listen to it uh, we've got stuff available in our shop as far as merch and things like that if you guys are super fans of the the podcast you enjoy every episode etc etc uh, check out the shop maybe you can find something you enjoy and you'd uh, like to wear around that's uh, always appreciated everybody that's been buying stuff from the online shop I really appreciate it thank you guys very very much also, uh, we've got a Patreon page now, patreon.com slash audiblefarm, and you can actually watch video versions of the podcast. 
and uh, I'm just kind of new at the video versions here but if you guys want to watch the video versions they're available there as well it uh, costs one dollar one dollar a month will do it um, that will be 12 months and about 50 plus episodes you'll get uh, for like 12 bucks so if you guys want to give more you can give more otherwise it's simple it's just a dollar a month and uh, you can watch the video versions of this podcast so if anybody wants to do the video versions that's where they're at they're over on the patreon page so check that out otherwise thank you guys very much for listening every single week we've uh, eclipsed 100 episodes as a matter of fact there was a uh, 100 episodes in between the last two times i talked to dan blair so i talked to him on episode two and then i talked to him on episode 102 so it was really cool. He's been here since the beginning. He was one of the first people I sat down and talked to. You know, I was cutting my interviewing teeth with him, and uh, it's really cool to have him around and, and bounce ideas off of him and play guitar with him and just kind of see what he's got going on, what he thinks, you know. And, and uh, you know, I've always spun ideas off of him here and there. And, I, you know, at one point in time we were fixing a guitar, and I was like, yeah, you can do this. Here you go. You take the soldering iron. And he soldered up his own stuff, and whammo, it worked, and it's... It's like, yeah, man, you're just as capable as anybody of doing this stuff. And I love having him around. He's such a fun guy. So uh, hopefully we get to see him out playing some shows. So yeah, he doesn't do much for social media anymore. Otherwise, I would say hit him up on social media and let him know you want to see him at a, at a jam or something. But, uh, you know, Barnum Jams is the place to be. That's where I'm at just about every Tuesday, uh, unless they get canceled or postponed or, or something for any reason. But uh they go strong every Tuesday, it seems like. So check those out if you guys are into jamming. Barnum Jams. That's the place to be. And, uh, yeah, until next time, we'll check you guys later. Peace.